I don't know if you've ever looked at the warning label on Ambien. It's really interesting. Ambien may cause serious side effects, including after taking Ambien, you may get up and do uh, get up out of bed while not being fully awake and do an activity that you do not know you are doing. Really, this is, I mean, I just looked this up online. The next morning, you may not remember that you did anything during the night. You have a higher chance for doing these activities if you drink alcohol or take other medicines that make you sleepy with Ambien. Reported activities include <laughs> driving a car, in quotes, night driving. It has a name. Making and eating food, talking on the phone. The next one is uh, you can use your imagination. I won't mention it in church because there might be kids here. And the last one is sleepwalking. So there it is. When I travel overseas, like the recent mission trip, I take Ambien to reorient myself to this time zone, and it makes it possible to get back to work. Uh, it reduces the number of days where I kind of feel like a zombie. So um, there it is. Now I know. So product-related warnings have become an unavoidable part of our lives, especially annoying to me. I don't know if it's annoying to you, but on TV, the ads for the little blue pill or Cialis, I find my, I mean, this seems like they're on three or four times in, during one show on TV, and I find myself just thinking, really? We need to be told these warnings again tonight? <laughs> but there are some great product warnings, and I have actually been a collector of these over the years. And I'd like to share a few of my favorite product warnings with you. For a toilet plunger, on the package, it says, caution, do, <laughs> I have to do this with a straight face. Caution, do not use near power lines. <laughs> On little ones, baby lotion. Keep away from children. Hair coloring. Do not use as ice cream topping. Demazin infant drops. This formula may cause drowsiness. If affected, do not operate heavy machinery or drive a vehicle. Infant drops. Earplugs. These earplugs are non-toxic but may interfere with breathing if caught in the windpipe. A kitchen knife. Keep out of children. Matches. Caution. Contents may catch fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> and my favorite. On a mattress. It says, warning, do not attempt to swallow. <laughs> the scary thing is that you know that these warnings all exist because someone at one time or other did these things. <laughs> Yikes. So in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we have blessings, we have encouragements, there's instructions, and there are warnings from the very lips of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this for a minute. If God were to say to you, watch out. God were to say to you, watch out. How seriously would you take it? Well, God has, and here they are. We ignore these warnings at our own risk, and perhaps also at the peril of others. 
Although the scriptures teach us that even bad things can work out to be blessings, even though the worst of all possible tragedies happened to him, Jesus still warns his followers of some dangers here. I think it's worth noting that Jesus was never in favor of unnecessary suffering. So he gives warnings. And as disciples of Jesus, we need to know this. There are some things to be avoided. The first is making a wrong gate choice. Not unlike getting on the wrong flight at an airport, Jesus says that there are choices or, or gates in life that, if taken, will lead you somewhere that you will not want to go. Notice that he says the correct gate is narrow, as in small. And the wrong one is wide. This makes me think of the various gates that lead in and out of an ancient city like Jerusalem. I remember going to Jerusalem, seeing the different gates, and they're, they, they vary widely, and they have purposes. Some of the gates were wide enough to get a modern truck through it. Some of the other gates, though, were too small for even a push cart. Just a doorway. And this is the kind of gate he speaks about here. This gate is only big enough for one person at a time. Which is significant. When you and I enter into a relationship with God, we do it one by one. It's not something someone can do for you. No one can carry you through. No one enters <clears throat> the narrow gate on another's coattails. You may have godly parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, a godly spouse, friends, but each one of us has to enter that gate alone. So I ask you today, have you? Have you entered that gate do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Basically, here's a choice. You can choose to live your life for Jesus Christ, or you can choose the way to go the way the crowd goes. There's no, there's no quibbling here, no sense that almost going through the gate works out well, or that the choice isn't really that important. No, to choose wrongly here is to go the way of the wide road, which leads to what? What's it say? Destruction. <laughs> to choose correctly is to live, and to choose wrongly is to be destroyed. There are only two choices. I see what I mean by a serious warning here. So my guess is that there are a number of people in this room today as there would be in any large gathering, there's a number of people here today who maybe have never made the choice to follow Christ as Lord. This is a major life decision. And it's really a one-time thing. It simply involves praying a very simple prayer. 
For years, the, the Billy Graham crusade talked very openly and very simply about praying this prayer. And I think we have it. This is the, uh, this is the prayer that they, that they would encourage people to pray. I just thought, you know, it would be a good thing for us all to say today, together. Can you pray it with me? Let's just pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. I believe when you pray this prayer from your heart, when you really mean it, you have entered in through the narrow gate Jesus describes here. If you're praying this prayer today for the first time, please let me know. I would love to follow up with you. This is really the most important one-time decision anyone can ever make and the most important one-time prayer anybody can pray. But speaking of following up, there is something else here. There is a gate, but there is also a road, Jesus says. The gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, he said. So not only must we choose, but then we must also stay the course. Folks, don't ever think that Jesus doesn't care how you live your life as long as you entered that gate at one time in the past. No. He is talking here about a one-time choice, the gate, and then also a way of living, the road, that involves disciplined staying with it, living by his commands, as stated earlier in the sermon. If you go back and you read chapter 5, verse 12 onward, he outlines a whole way of living and important, important commands for how to live this life. Now, let me just say about the road described in the, uh, in the version that I read this morning as the hard road. It's described in the NIV as the narrow road. This sometimes holds a negative connotation for those considering following Jesus. It may conjure up images of narrowness in the sense of fewer options or, or kind of a Puritan-like lifestyle where you're going to miss out on a lot if you follow Jesus. But in reality, I believe the narrow way is once you begin to live it, it is the key to living large, a life of epic proportions. My favorite illustration of this is from C.S. Lewis's story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Have you read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? It's a great, great book. It's a kid's book, but it's great for all ages. But that wardrobe, the closet in that story, appeared small and insignificant. It was a place to hide for kids playing hide-and-seek. And they went in, and in reality, it was the portal to a whole new world. That which appears small and narrow is in reality access to a larger life than anyone experiences who chooses the wide gate and the freeway. 
to follow Christ, to live the way that he outlines, is the key to a new universe, a life of epic proportions. It is truly amazing. So the first warning of the three, take the narrow gate and the narrow road, even when the majority choose otherwise, and they will, and they do. There are choices in this life, relatively few choices to live Jesus' way. There are few who find it, he says in verse 14, but it's the best. It is the best way. Now, let's turn to verse 15. The first warning had to do with the world and not going along with the crowd. Here's a warning to avoid something among Christians, and I think this is pretty interesting. This is about false teachers, tricky false teachers, dressed up or appearing to be harmless like sheep. What could be more harmless than a lamb? Right? Or less intimidating but these are actually those who actually can hurt you because they're really wolves. Wolves who are trying to destroy. Wolves that are trying to, to take advantage. They're dressed up as lambs, but they're wolves, he says. So what's this about? Basically, it's a call, I believe, to discernment and to wisdom. Verses 7, 1 through 5, Pastor Dan's sermon from two weeks ago, he uh, warned of judging others negatively. Do not judge, Jesus said. But now he's say, he says there is a positive way to use judgment, discernment. When you listen to a teacher or a preacher or whoever it may be, hear or in another church, on the radio, a podcast, especially on cable TV. As it says in the message translation of verse 16, don't be impressed by charisma. Look for character. Here's the truth. Who preachers are is often more important than what they say. Who a preacher is is often more important than what they're saying. Jesus is suggesting here that we listen to what they say only if you know their lives, their fruit. Many teachers and preachers will hide this. Don't be fooled. Let me get a little more specific about this and say, say this about TV preachers. This is a racket. There's no other way to describe it. And it continues to this day. In the 1970s and 1980s, uh, we saw the rise and fall of people like Jimmy Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, and there was a lot of controversy around them and how they were handling their lives and their money and everything. And, and I just noticed less than two months ago that, yet again, this, it just continues, a preacher on TV named uh, Jesse Duplantis, maybe you've heard of him, is once again raising funds for his third private jet. $54 million. And Duplantis's pitch on TV includes him saying, if Jesus were alive today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Wow. Wow. Folks, hear me on this. Please do not send money to TV preachers. Please don't waste your time. 
listening to them. If you want some ideas for uh, big-name folks who are more worth listening to, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Dan. We'll help you guide those to whose message is, is backed by good character and sound financial responsibility. Unfortunately, these guys are in the minor minority. There's a lot of folks on cable TV and elsewhere who, they're, they're really, they're in it for the money. And it's sad to say that they're doing it in the name of Jesus, but it's rampant. Remember, this is a warning from Jesus. He should know. He says, beware. You will know them by their fruits, their lives, the way they really live. Unless you know for sure, steer clear, discern, be wise. Now, in closing this morning, verses 21 to 23, a third warning. Again, for within the Christian community, watch out for those who do, quote, unquote, amazing things. These people say, Lord, Lord, Jesus says. They talk about Jesus Christ. They do good things. But there is one problem. Though they say, Lord, Jesus is not their Lord. They are not doing the will of God, which is actually the first prerequisite to having him as your Lord, is it not? Seeking to do his will. They may be doing amazing things, but they aren't the right amazing things because they are not the Father's things. This follows with what has been an underlying theme for much of the Sermon on the Mount. God is looking for obedience. It's not a popular word. But the warning here is basically this. Spend at least some of your time in fellowship with obedient people. People who want to do the will of God. Want to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and want to do what God's want. It's important to obey God. Obey. Yes, obey the instructions are clear. They're outlined clearly in the beginning of the sermon, chapters 5 and 6. Respect and obey Scripture. Deal properly with anger and defensiveness and hate. Live lives of purity, fidelity in your marriage and in your intimate relations. You and I may do amazing things. We may hang out with people who do amazing things, but in the end, unfortunately, it's still possible that we may hear Christ say, I never knew you. Most important thing to do is to obey, to seek to live the way Christ taught, to seek to follow him. So what I want to leave you with this morning is this question. Is Jesus Christ calling you to obey him in some area and you've been resisting him? We haven't really gone into detail about all his commands, but we know they're here in the Sermon on the Mount. I, too, encourage you to be reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7 this week. Look at what Jesus is asking you to do. There's a command to live by Scripture. There's a command to not wallow in resentment toward people. 
There's a command to seek to live pure lives sexually. There's a command to be people of our word, to not seek retaliation, but to love our enemies. In any of these or others, is Jesus calling you to follow him more closely? If he is truly your Lord, you will be open to these kinds of questions. This passage in the end of his greatest sermon is the most serious of Jesus' vital warnings. Don't, don't chance reaching the end of your life and hearing him say, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoer. Listen to your conscience. This is a gift from the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 9. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is calling you and me to follow him more closely, to, to walk with him on this road, this journey to eternity. Do it. This is what he asks in this part of his most incisive teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. Would you join me in prayer? Oh God, these are serious words. But Lord, I pray that you would place them indelibly in our hearts. We, Lord, want to end this journey on earth and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, not to hear the words of this warning. But Father, I thank you that this journey is not one of, of just hardship, of, of just asceticism or doing without, but God, that you are calling us to a great adventure. And that taking your way in this life truly is the portal to an amazing life. I pray that you would show us this more and more each day as we journey together going forward with you, Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone, especially today, who maybe prayed that prayer for the first time, that you would give them the courage to either give me a call, write me an email, or maybe mark it on their on their welcome card today, I prayed the prayer for the first time. Lord, we want to be growing with you in faith. All of us, whether we prayed that prayer today for the first time or we prayed it 50, 60, 70 years ago, pray that you would help us to grow in you. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. It's a privilege to be able to worship God in giving. I I pray that you would be blessed this morning as you give your tithes and offerings as the ushers wait on us for the offering.